Well, before we get into our podcast tonight, I thought I'd come on and just say it's that time of year when we'd love to have folks donate to the podcast. We want to keep the Judy Garland and Friends podcast going, and we want to keep the Jack Benny Show OTR podcast going. Those are my two podcasts that I run. We don't have enough money coming in right now to, to justify keeping both of them going, but I have no doubt folks will come through as they always have in the past. If you donate at the just the $1 a month level, if you go to Patreon and just through our site and just donate at the $1 level, you can have access to all of the Judy Garland shows that Mindy has ever done intros to. You can have access to all of the Bing Crosby shows that I've ever done intros to. At the $3 level, you get access to all of the podcasts we've ever done, which is a lot of fun. Uh, at the $4 level, you get access to all of those podcasts that we've ever done, our entire archive of thousands of shows that we've done, plus um, the archive of our source material that is our high-quality copies of, of different shows that you can listen to as well. We give those to you as a bonus just for, for signing up and supporting the podcast. So if you can, support the podcast. It would really help us out. Now, to get to the podcast, to be able to donate, you can either go to judy-garland.podomatic.com and over on the um, right-hand side, there will be a button for Patreon and if you want to donate through Patreon, that'll let you donate at the dollar level. There's also a button that's just PayPal that you can just do a one-time donation for as much as you'd like to donate. Um, over on if you, if you want to donate at the Buck Benny site, you can go to buckbenny.com. And on the right-hand side, there's also uh, lots of ways to donate. I ask if you're going to donate at the $1 level that you do it through Patreon, though, and not through PayPal, just because PayPal takes so much of the money at the $1 level. Anything beyond that, it's fine donating either way. Uh, anyway, thank you for supporting the podca podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And let's get into tonight's shows. Enjoy. Hello again, this is Buck Benning speaking. Tonight's episode is yet another reminder of why we like to do the episodes tied right into this season we're in. Tonight's episode, of course, we'll spend some time on Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving this week, and uh, I hope you enjoy tonight's Thanksgiving with Jack. So, um, one thing I'm definitely thankful for is Jack Benning and his whole cast. So we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. Exhibit A, Lucky Strike. Fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. And year in, year out, always, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. <laughs> Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows. Colonel Hart Shoemaker, ace tobacco auctioneer of Lebanon, Kentucky, has sold over 300 million pounds of tobacco leaf. Recently, he said, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy real quality tobacco, fine, ripe, mild tobacco. Yes, I've seen them do it at thousands of auctions. For my own cigarette, I picked Lucky's. At market after market, at auction after auction, independent tobacco experts like Colonel Shoemaker can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light that naturally mild tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. 
And fine tobacco means real, deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, for many years as an announcer, it has been my privilege to introduce a number of very important people. But never have I felt the pride that is glowing within me today as I introduce the gracious and beloved star of our show. Well. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me extreme pleasure to present to you a man whose very benevolence has earned for him the admiration, respect, and everlasting love of millions. And here he is, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, that was the most beautiful introduction I've ever received. The most touching. I mean, whatever made you think of it? There are only 27 more shopping days till Christmas. <laughs> What? And I don't want any more of those lousy shoelaces. <laughs> oh, Don. Don, you didn't like the shoelaces I gave you last Christmas? No, I didn't. Well, what was the matter with them? I mean, were they too long or too short or, or what? Well, Jack, now I've been with you 13 years, and I didn't think a pair of shoelaces was an appropriate Christmas gift. Oh, well, Don, you silly boy. I mean, if you didn't like the shoelaces, you could have exchanged them for a box of Kleenex or, or dental floss or something. Anyway, Don, I do appreciate the fact... Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. I'll, I'll take it, boy. Just a minute. Here's a tip for you. Yes, sir. I wonder who this telegram... You can go, boy. I gave you your tip. But, Mr. Benny, these ration stamps aren't good anymore. Don't be so sure. <laughs> mm. My bicycle was paid for. I'd punch him right in the nose. Go be nice to people. Jack, who's the telegram from? Uh, wait till I open it. Well... Dear Jack, please be at the studio tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for further discussions. Signed, Jack Warner. Discussions? About what? Uh, didn't I tell you, Don, the Warner brothers have finally decided to make that picture. You know, the story of my life. It's going to be... Um... Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. I, I, Mary, I've got wonderful news. <laughs> Sorry I did that. I mean, I've known you so many years. <laughs> Mary, I've got... I've got wonderful news. Warner Brothers is going to make the story of my life. Gee, that's swell. What gave them the idea? Well, after I made the horn blows at midnight, they received thousands of letters demanding the life of Jack Benny. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how they meant that. Anyway, uh, they've done a lot of work on the story. 
You mean they finished the script already? Yes, Marion, it's going to be great. You know, there's a lot of action in the opening scene. You see, in the opening scene, I've just been born, and as the doctor leaves the house, my father shoots him in the back. <laughs> it's really very exciting. Say, Jack, when they made the Jolson story, they had Larry Parks play the part of Al Jolson. Now, in your picture, who's going to play you? Well, we don't know yet, but to portray the real me, they're considering Errol Flynn. <laughs> I guess it's the way I've lived, you know what I mean? <laughs> then, there's, then there's also the possibility that they might use Clark Gable. Well, Jack, as long as it's a story of your life, why don't you play it yourself? Well, we thought of that, Mary, but we felt we needed someone who was attractive to women, you see. Oh, Jack, you're just as attractive to women as Clark Gable any day. Well, I wouldn't say that, Mary. I mean, that's sweet of you, but you see, Clark is a pretty handsome guy, you know. Oh, you're just being modest. You don't hear women talk about you like I do. Now, Mary, stop, will you? I'll ad- I mean, I'll admit I'm not homely, but uh, but uh, what, uh, what did the women say about me? You asked for it, brother. <laughs> Never mind. If you want to know something, Smarty, it wasn't so long ago I had dozens of girls all around me. That's when you were playing with Phil Spitalny. <laughs> Phil Spitalny, Phil Spitalny. He still owes me two weeks' salary. Anyway, I... Say, Mr. Benny, when I sing my song, do you mind if oh, I... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Mr. Benny, when I sing my song, do you mind if did I... You, did you just get in? Yeah. Mr. Benny, when I sing my song, do you mind if how, I... Uh, how do you feel, kid? Fine. Good. I broke my leg this morning, but I'm all right now. <laughs> Dennis, uh, just go ahead and sing your song. Well, aren't you going to ask me how I broke my leg? No, I'm not. Now go ahead with your song. My mother was right. You don't want me to get laughs. <laughs> not on silly things like that. Now go ahead and sing. Okay, but do you mind if I dedicate the song to my new girl? Oh, you have a new girl? What's her name? Thelma Gray, Hollywood 6265. Oh. Dennis, you didn't have to give Mr. Benny her phone number. I might as well. He'll force it out of me later. (laughs) Now, wait a minute, kid. When did I ever threaten you to get a girl's telephone number? Remember in New York when you took me to the top of the Empire State Building? Jack, you didn't. He held me over the edge by my suspenders. Well, you're lucky you didn't go out with that girl. You've still got your watch. <laughs> girls. But this girl's different, Mr. Benny. Oh, you, uh, you really like her, eh, Dennis? Yeah. Last week was her birthday, so I took her around to all the clubs. We went to Ciro's, the Macambo, Slapsy Maxie's. Really? How those places stay in business, I'll never know. We were the only ones in there. Dennis, what, uh, what night did you go? Oh, night! <laughs> Oh, for heaven's sake, go ahead and sing, kid Okay Hollywood 6265, I must remember that This time I'll leave my watch home As you walk, as you talk With a one you love Do you know just how lucky you are When you stroll hand in hand Neath the moon 
Does your heart sing how lucky you are? There are so many heartaches in this world of ours. Sometimes a dream will come true. Is in love with you. That's the greatest of blessings by far. And you don't know how lucky you are. Does your heart sing? The greatest of blessings by far, and you don't know how lucky you Sung by Dennis Day Very good, Dennis Say, Mary Aren't you going to ask me How I broke my leg? <laughs> no, I'm not And stop being silly Now, what did I start to say? Oh, yeah You know, Mary I've been giving it a lot of thought And I don't know just who Would be the right one to play me In the life of Jack Benny Well, how about Van Johnson? Well, he's good, Mary But he, he isn't quite old enough, you know How about Cornell Wilde? No, no He isn't old enough either how about John Wilkes Booth? <laughs> oh, stop. John Wilkes Booth. He broke his leg, too. Dennis. Aren't you going to ask me how? No, I'm not. But, Mary, I think... Gee, I don't know. Hiya, Jackson. What's that dreamy look on your face? Oh, hello, Phil. I'm thinking. You know, Warner's is going to make a picture, the story of my life, and we're trying to figure out... Who would be the right personality to play me? Why don't you play it yourself, Jackson? You're one of the greatest actors in show business. Huh? And coming from me, you know what that means. Yeah, there are only 27 more shopping days till Christmas. <laughs> but getting the right guy is really a problem. Hey, Jackson, I got an idea. Why don't you let me play the part? I'd be terrific. I'm handsome. I got personality, sex appeal. What more do you want? Well, Phil... Think I... it over, Dad. I'm alive. I'm sharp. I'm a sort of a Mickey Rooney with just enough Roddy McDowell to hold me down. <laughs> Phil, uh, Philzy boy, do you think for one moment that I'd let you play... Do you think for one moment I'd let you play the lead in a picture as important as this one? You'd be drinking all the time. What's wrong with that? What? You made the horn blows at midnight and you were sober. <laughs> Not after the preview. <laughs> anyway, Phil. Hello, Levy. How you doing? Hello, Phil. Hiya, Dennis. How you feel, kid? I broke my leg this morning, but I'm all right now. Dennis. Just call me John Wilkes Booth. 
Dennis, keep quiet, will you? Now, Phil, Phil, I hate to be the one to suggest it, you see, but it's time for a number from your corny band. Corny band? Apparently you haven't heard. Heard what? We were invited to go to England and play for the royal wedding. The royal wedding? Yes, sir, right in Birmingham Palace. <laughs> Phil, that's Buckingham. If there's a buck in it, you'll know it. <laughs> Darn right. Now, come on, Phil, let's have a band. Oh, wait a minute, Jack. Don't you think it's about time we do a commercial? Don, we're not going to do a commercial this week. Go ahead, Phil. But, Jack... Don, I'm running this show. Go ahead, Phil. But, Jack, the quartet worked on it all week. I don't care if they did. Go ahead, Phil. And there's a part in it where you play the violin. Hold it, Phil. <laughs> what, uh, what were you saying, Don? Well, the sportsmen are going to do the poet and peasant overture, and there's a place in it where you do a violin solo. Well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I had no idea this was going to happen. Gosh, this is really a surprise. Some surprise. Unbutton your shirt and take out your violin. <laughs> okay, Don, uh, when do I come in? Just watch the boys. They'll give you your cue. Good. The Poet and Peasant Overture. Take it, boys. <laughs> were just great and the violin solo was out of this shirt. I mean, out of this shirt. <laughs> and by the way, kids, before I forget it, uh, next Thursday on Thanksgiving, I want you all to come over to my house for a turkey dinner. Turkey? Gee, I wonder if I could have one of the legs. Sure, kid. Why? I broke mine this morning. Oh, for heaven's sake. Hey, Jackson, are you sure it's going to be a turkey? Of course I'm sure. Why? Well, last year you said you ran over a turkey, and when we bit into it, it turned out to be a buzzard. 
Well, it's a real turkey this time, isn't it, Mary? Yeah, I was with Jack when he bought it. That's right. In fact, yesterday I called him and suggested that he throw a Thanksgiving party for the whole gang. He must have been in a good mood because he went for the idea right away. Well, Mary, I'm glad you called, and it's a good suggestion. Huh? Fine, hurry over and we'll go shopping. Goodbye. Oh, Rochester. Yes, sir. Where have you been? I'm in the garage trying to fix up the car. When you hit that truck last week, you bent the axle. Did you fix it? Uh-huh, but I had a lot of trouble. Trouble? Yeah, when I loosened the nut that holds the axle, the lights fell off. <laughs> oh. So I took a nut off the rear door to fix the lights, and the steering wheel fell off. <laughs> Gee. Then I took off the wire that holds the radiator and used it to tighten the steering wheel. And the radiator fell off? No, the fenders. <laughs> All four of them? All five of them. Five? We only have four fenders. How about the one we hold over our head when it rains? <laughs> I thought we used the side door for that. No, we use the side door to close the trunk in the back. <laughs> oh, yes. Gee, I must have hit that truck harder than I thought. Say, boss, when are they going to come out with those new cars with the motors in the rear? In 1948. Well, congratulations, you're a year ahead of them. <laughs> what? You mean the motors in the back of my car? About 10 feet. <laughs> oh, stop making things up. Now, Rochester, I'm going to have the gang over Thursday for Thanksgiving dinner. What's in the refrigerator? The morning paper, a magazine, and your glasses. <laughs> what? When that little light goes on, you ain't wasting it. <laughs> I'm not talking about that I mean food for Thanksgiving Well, we've got everything except a turkey You want me to go out and buy one? No, Miss Livingston is coming over And we're going to... Well, that must be her now So long, Rochester We'll be back in about an hour Gee, Mary, it's such a nice day I'm glad we decided to walk to the market Yeah, yeah. I'm glad Thanksgiving will be here soon. It's one of our nicest holidays. Yeah. And this year, we should all be so thankful. I know I am. Gee, when I wake up in the morning, I hear the birds singing. I've got the beautiful moonlight at night. I get all the fresh air I need. All the sunshine I want. So far, it hasn't cost you a dime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mary, look. Hey, Mary, look, look over there. Those boys playing football. Hey, Joey, kick it to me now. See, they're nice kids, Mary. You know, the bigger one is Stevie Kent. His folks live on the corner. Every time I go out for a walk, I stop and talk with them. Hey, Stevie, throw the ball over here. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Here it comes. Look out, I think it's too high. You have to run for it. Faster. You better jump for it. Wow, what a catch. Say, that was a good catch. I got to hand it to you, Mary. <laughs> How, uh, how did you do it? I don't know, but you can buy me a new girdle for Christmas Okay, you know, Mary, UCLA could have used you yesterday <laughs> Yes, sir Say, Mr. Benny, this is my friend, Joey Hello, Joey Hello, Mr. Benny You know, Joey, Mr. Benny was all-American fullback when he played football for Yale <laughs> Yale? And he broke the 100-yard dash record when he was in the Olympic Games. Gee whiz. 
Jack, did you tell Lisa? And Mr. Benny pitched two no-hit games in the World Series. <laughs> when he was with the New York Yankees. The Yankees? Oh, I was just lucky, that's all. <laughs> Say, Mr. Benny, tell Joey about the time you knocked out Jack Dempsey. <laughs> oh, it was nothing, you see. It, it happened in the first round. We were mixing it in the center of the ring when suddenly Dempsey caught me with a powerful right hook to my chin. It shook me a little. I realized he was dangerous, so I... I decided to end it quickly. I shot two lefts to his midsection, crossed a right to the jaw, and down he went. I didn't mean to hit him so hard. He, you know, he was, he was out for over an hour. Gosh. Well, so long, kids. We got to get going. You know, Mary, I was just... Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, look, Mary, I only tell the kids stories like that because it helps them if they, you know, if they have a hero to look up to. Some hero. Anyway, I, I just tell the kids harmless little stories. I don't, I don't exaggerate too much. Oh, look, there's, there's little Georgie Foster. Isn't he cute? He's only four. Look at him. Hello, Georgie. Hello, Mr. President. <laughs> oh, brother. Mary, I never told him that. He's just ad-libbing. Come on, here. here here's the market. Let's see. Oh, there's the poultry department over there. Come on, Mary. Okay. And Jack, remember what you promised. This time you're going to get a nice big turkey, not like the last one you got. There was nothing small about that turkey. Go on. You didn't have the heart to chop its head off. You beat it to death in a badminton game. <laughs> Mary. And I got stuck with the part that went over the net last. <laughs> Mary, stop trying to switch old jokes, will you? <laughs> Now, uh, let's walk over to the counter and see... Hello, Mr. Benny. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Kitzel. Oh, Mr. Kitzel, what are you doing behind the meat counter? Oh, I'm helping out here for the holidays. Oh, you're, uh, you're just, you're just working here temporarily. Yes, huh? until my boss gets back from the wedding. The wedding? <laughs> In London? They had one there, too. <laughs> Yes, yes, last Thursday. Oh. Well, look, Mr. Kitzel, I want to buy a turkey. Are they, are they very expensive? Expensive. <laughs> you mean, uh, you mean they're that high? Come here a minute. Huh? Step closer. Do you know that turkeys are, what, what turkeys are selling for today? No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, if you knew, you'd be nervous, too. Come a little closer. <laughs> Come closer. Huh? Lean over a little. What? 80 cents a pound. Well, why, why do you have to whisper it? I don't want the turkey should get hammy. <laughs> oh. 
80 cents a pound, that's a lot of money for turkeys. See, they got to live too. <laughs> I suppose so. Say, Jack, while you're getting the turkey, I better shop around and get some things for the stuffing. I think I have everything at home, Mary. Well, what about cracker crumbs? Oh, I got plenty. Stale bread? Two loaves I've got. Oysters? One can. Sage? 38. What? <laughs> oh, I thought you said something else. Yes, we, uh, we have everything. Well, Mr. Benner, what's your pleasure if I can be so accommodating? Well, I'd like to get a live turkey, about 25 pounds. The live turkeys are over there, down by the end of the counter. Oh, yes, yes. I think I'll take that one on the right. You know, it looks nice and plump. Who down your glasses? That's my wife. <laughs> oh, yes. I wish I could get 80 cents a pound for her. <laughs> What? Nothing, I'm daydreaming. <laughs> now, Mr. Kitzel, what would you suggest? Well, if you want a nice life turkey, what about this one over here? <laughs> Say, Jack, this one's nice and plump. I've seen turkeys look plump, and they're all full of feathers. I'm going to feel this one myself. Hold still, turkey. <laughs> oh, you, you and your cold hands. <laughs> Well, Mary, Mary, what do you think about it? Well, it looks all right. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't have the heart to kill it. Oh, just look at its eyes. The same color as mine. Sultry summer blue. Oh, Jack, stop being so sentimental. You've already given up eating strawberries because they remind you of Phil Harris's eyes. Mary, Mr. Kittle, how much does this turkey weigh? About uh, 36 pounds. My scale is broken. Oh, oh, well, I'll weigh it on that scale over there by the door. Come here, turkey. That's a good girl. Come on, Mary, we'll go over the scale. Now, hold still, turkey. Mary, put in a penny. Okay. Oh, look, Jack, a card came out. Yeah, what does it say? You weigh 36 pounds and you ain't long for this world. <laughs> There's a picture of Fred Allen on the other side there. <laughs> well, that's much too big. Oh, Mr. Kitzel. Your pleasure. This turkey's too big. How much does this one weigh? This one right here. I think 29 pounds. Aren't you sure? Wait a minute, I'll check. Oh, Hattie, how much does this turkey weigh? 29 pounds, but I'll check. Hey, Joe, how much does this turkey weigh? 29 pounds, but I'll check. Hey, Herman, how much does this turkey weigh? 29 pounds, but I'll check. Hey, Sam! All right, all right, I believe you. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first... Quality of product is essential to continuing success. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. L-S-M-F-T. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. Remember what happens at the tobacco auctions? Year in, year out, at market after market, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows. Mr. Carl Hartfield of Greensburg, Kentucky, has been working as an independent tobacco buyer for the last 29 years. Recently, he had this to say. Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco. Ripe, prime leaf that's got real smoking quality. I've smoked Lucky's for over 28 years. So for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, 
Remember, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Good night, folks. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. shining hair. That's what every girl wants. And that's the way your hair will be when you use Fitch's new cream shampoo. Fitch's cream shampoo leaves your hair dreamy soft like moonlight, shining like bright starlight. That's because this marvelous new shampoo is made with two beneficial beauty aids, lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften the hair, to give it a brand new look. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights, to leave your hair gleaming and lustrous. And girls, you'll find Fitch's cream shampoo delightfully easy to use. Just a small dab whips into heaps of lather to thoroughly cleanse your hair and scalp. To rinse, just a swish of plain water and every bubble of suds is gone. Then see how soft and bright, how gloriously right this amazing shampoo leaves your hair. It looks as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. Fitch's cream shampoo is thrifty, too. Compare the size of the jar, compare its low cost, and buy it at drug or toilet goods counters. That's Fitch's cream shampoo, made with lanolin and olive oil for softer, shinier hair. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Sharp and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. As we look into the Harris home, it is 12 o'clock noon. Phil is still asleep, and Alice is downstairs talking to her brother, William. Twelve o'clock noon, and Philip is still sleeping. Alice, why do you let him sleep so late? Well, he's tired, William. He and his band played at a dance last night, and they got home very late. He was so groggy when he got in, he didn't know what he was doing. Why? What happened? He came in half asleep, sat on the edge of the bed, took off one shoe and one sock, and then sat there for a half hour staring at his feet. Staring at his feet? Yes. Finally, he turned to me and said, Hey, Alice, am I going to bed or am I just getting up? <laughs> now, you know, Phil's been working too hard lately. All he thinks about is his band and his musicians. 
It's gotten so he hasn't taken me out once in the last three months. Why not? I don't belong to the union, and Petrilla won't allow it. <laughs> oh, I wish Phil wouldn't work so hard. Mommy, where's the dog? We're playing dog sled, and we want to hitch Lieutenant Donahue up to our cart. Oh, I meant to tell you, children, Lieutenant Donahue didn't feel well this morning, and I took him over to the veterinarian. What's wrong with him, Mommy? Well, I don't know yet, but... The doctor's going to call me later and let me know. Now run along and play, girls, huh? Alice, just what's bothering you about Philip? Well, he's, he's so preoccupied. He, he doesn't know what he's saying half the time. His mind is always with that band of his. Uh-oh, uh-oh, here he comes now. <laughs> good morning, Phil. I got to get a new sax player. Aren't you going to kiss me good morning, Phil? <laughs> I got to enlarge that fiddle section... Bill Harris, I'm talking to you. Oh, uh, pardon me. Uh, what did you say, miss? <laughs> I'm your wife, remember? And I'm standing here with my lips puckered up. Doesn't that mean anything to you? Oh, yeah. I got to get a new trumpet player, too. <laughs> Phil, aren't you going to kiss me good morning? Oh, sure. Kiss you. Certainly am. I was just thinking about the band. Hey, come here, honey, and I'll give you a great big... Good morning, Philip. <laughs> It's about time you got up You should be ashamed Wasting such a glorious day Time is too precious to be wasted Every minute should be devoted to accomplishing something Look, Portia, go out and face life someplace else, will you? <laughs> Philip, Philip, I'm here on business I I've been going over the books And I find you're overpaying the musicians in your band They're not worth what you're giving them Get lost, Ledger Head Get lost <laughs> Haven't had a cup of coffee yet, and you ain't paying. You paying too much, paying too much. I gotta pay my boys a lot. After all, I got the best musicians in the country. Those are the best. Now wait a minute, <laughs> not you too, Brutus. Just wait a minute. After all, now you ain't trying to say that my musicians ain't no good. Well, that ain't the only thing they ain't. <laughs> well, even even you must admit that your band is, shall we say, loud. They ain't so loud. Then how come all your girl vocalists wind up with punctured eardrums? <laughs> oh, Alice, why don't you stop exaggerating? You used to sing with my band, and it didn't affect you any, did it? Eh? Hey? <laughs> hey, hey, what's that? Oh, stop exaggerating. Gee whiz. Oh, Phil. Oh, you just keep picking on my band, that's all. Why don't no. you leave me alone? No, no, I'm not only picking on it because, because of what it... I, I'm only picking on it because of what it's doing to you. You're working too hard. You don't look well lately. What are you talking about? I never looked better in my life. And, baby, that's hard to top. <laughs> you, you don't look well, Philip. And it's because you don't lead a healthy, normal life like I do. I don't smoke, drink, or run around. I'm in bed every night at 9 o'clock. And at 6 o'clock the next morning, I get up. What for? <laughs> To fill your fountain pen or something? <laughs> Look, will you guys leave me alone? There's nothing wrong with me. Oh, I think there is, Phil. You're very irritable lately. Do me a favor. Go to the doctor and have a basal metabolism. There's nothing wrong with my metabolism. It's as basal as anybody's, even basler. Oh, now, look, a checkup won't do any harm. Please do it for my sake. All right, all right. Metabolism, metabolism. I knew I was going to miss that. <laughs> I'll go just to prove it to you that I am in perfect shape. 
I'll go. I'll go down and see Dr. Emmerman. But if I'm going to go, I better go now because i got a band rehearsal later this afternoon. Well, you go ahead, Phil. I'll call the doctor and tell him you're coming right down. Okay. And look, Alice, call Frankie and tell him to pick me up at the doc's office. So long, honey. So long, dear. Goodbye, Philip. <laughs> Even through the door, I can hear that guy. I don't know what they're worrying about. I never felt better in my life. Nothing ever bothers me. I don't worry. I got a system. If your temper's getting the top hand, all you got to do is just stop and pass that peace pipe and bury that hatchet like the Choctaws, Chickasaws, Chattahoochee, Chippewas do. If you're feeling mad as a wet hen, mad as you can possibly get, then pass that peace pipe and bury that Tommy Hawk like those GMX, Cherokee, Shabulapex too. Try to use a little restraint Fold that hanky And wipe off all that war paint And if you find yourself in a fury Be your own judge and your own jury Pass that peace pipe and bury that hatchet Like the Choctaws, Chickasaws, Chattahoochee, Chippewas do If you want to hover out west too, you will soon discover it's best to pass that peace pipe and bury that hatchet like the Cho-Cho-Chongos, Chattanooga's Chico's do. Even in colonial days, you knew the ceremonial ways to pass that peace pipe and bury that tomahawk like those Chikulamese, Chippachets, and Chickabees too. Pull your ears in, try to use a little control. When all clears in, you'll be top man on the totem pole. So if you want to be an all right guy, not a long face blues in the night guy, write that apology and dispatch it. When you quarrel, it's grand to pass it. Pass that peace pipe and bury that hatchet. Like the Choctaws, Chickasaws, Chattahoochee, Chippewas, those Chichiamex, Cherokee, Chipotlepex, those Chikultamese, Chippachets, and Chickapees, Chochos, Changos, Now that Philip has left for the doctor, do you really think there's anything wrong with him? Oh, no, no. It's just that I don't want him to work so hard. I hope the doctor tells him something to slow him down. Why take any chances? Why don't you call the doctor and suggest that he throw a little scare into Philip? It's the only way you'll ever get him to take it easy. You know, you may be right. I'll call the doctor and ask him to do it. I'll also call Frankie and tell him to do the same thing. <laughs> Oh, Doctor, Mrs. Harris just called. Her husband, Phil, is on his way down for a checkup. You mean old Curly Top? <laughs> What's he want to check up for? All he's concerned about is his beautiful, wavy hair. <laughs> is he really that conceited about his hair? Is he? I'll never forget the last time he was here. Before I could listen to his heart, I had to remove the rag curlers from the hair on his chest. <laughs> Mrs. Harris wants you to throw a little scare into him, Doctor. He's been working too hard, and she feels you're the only one who can get him to slow down. You know, this could be fun. I could scare him with a few long medical terms. Let's see now, what can I tell him he has? Um, oh, 
Why don't you tell him he has rhinogenous cephalalgia? Well, nurse, I can't tell him that. Why not? I can't pronounce it. <laughs> what does it mean? It's a simple headache. <laughs> of course, how stupid of me. Very well, I'll tell him. <laughs> I'll tell him he has... Uh, what's that word again? <laughs> Rhinogenous cephalalgia. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, doctor, someone just came into the reception room. That must be Harris now. I'll go ah. out and see him. Hiya, Doc. Good morning, Mr. Harris. How do you feel? Great, great. How do you feel? Not bad. You, uh... You don't look so good. <laughs> I don't? No, you're, uh, you're a little pale. Uh, what's the matter? My stomach's been bothering me a little lately. <laughs> well, look, don't eat so much. Drink a lot of water and get plenty of fresh air. That'll be $5, please. Thank you, doctor. Wait a minute. I'm not a doctor around here. If you want a checkup, let's get started. Open your shirt. Okay. Well, I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> What's wrong? You're the first patient I've ever seen with ham hocks tattooed on his chest. Yeah, and in color, too. <laughs> Take a deep breath while I listen with my stethoscope. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh. How am I, Doc? Uh, Mr. Harris. Yeah? Would you mind paying me advance for this visit? <laughs> Wait a minute, Doc. There's nothing wrong with me. Is there? Well, I hate to tell you this, Mr. Harris, but you have a severe case of... Excuse me a minute. <laughs> Rhinogenous cephalalgia. <laughs> what the heck you got in that back room, Doc? What did you say I have? I said you have a severe case of rhinogenous cephalalgia. Oh, that. Well, that's nothing to worry about. I'll just go home and sprinkle some Malbin on my crudelbine. <laughs> What's a crudelbine? You worry with it. I'm still working on rhinoceros. <laughs> Mr. Harris, now, I don't want to frighten you, but you're a sick man. Yeah? Yeah. In addition to what I just said, you have an acute case of dorsum rotundum, and you're in the advanced stages of sideriasis capitis. <laughs> Gee, I got all that stuff, Doc? Well, couldn't I trade that in for the flu or something? Why do you want the flu? I want something I can write home and tell my mother I got. <laughs> flu I can spell, F-L-E-W. <laughs> I'll write it out for you Here And remember, this is no laughing matter, Mr. Harris You're in bad shape Unless you slow down and take things easy I will not be responsible for the consequences uh, Is it that serious? I'm afraid it is, Mr. Harris Well, gee whiz I, I can't understand it I, I thought I felt good when I came in here Well So long, Doc how could this happen to anybody so fast? Gee, now my head feels hot and 
My hands feel cold and clammy, and I'm breathing heavy. At least I'm breathing. <laughs> what did he say I had? Dorsum rotundum. Oh, I don't see how I'm even walking. This is awful. Hiya, Curly. Oh, hello, Frankie. Alice told me you were here and you... Curly, what's wrong? Oh, Frankie, there's something I gotta tell you. You're looking at a man who has a case of dorsum rotundum. <laughs> a whole case? <laughs> Where'd you get the stuff, Frank? <laughs> Be serious, William. Don't talk so loud. You're getting on my nerves. I just wanted to see the doctor, and well, he put that that thing on my chest, and, and I'm a sick man, Frankie. I don't, Frankie, I don't look like a guy who's about to kick off, do I? I don't know, Curly. <laughs> you mean I look sick? Yeah, your face looks awful. You're pale and drawn. You got big bags under your eyes. Bags under my eyes? Are they noticeable? Not really. Just looks like your nose is wearing a saddle. <laughs> English or cowboy? <laughs> More like a side saddle. You really got it. Bag. I know I got it, but I wish I knew what I got. Well, for one thing, I can see you got too much iron in your blood. How do you know I got too much iron in my blood? It's obvious. Look at your hands. The ends of your fingers are breaking out in nails. <laughs> oh, Frankie, how can you joke at a time like this? You're supposed to be my pal. Comfort me. Say something to cheer me up. Just tell me that I'm not going to die. Tell me I'm not going to die. All right, I'll tell you. <laughs> but my heart won't be in it. Oh, Remley, how can you be so callous? You're supposed to be a friend. You don't care what happens to me. That's not so, Curly. I don't like to get sentimental, but all I can say is, I wish I could go in your place. <laughs> yeah? Oh, gee, Frankie. That's awful sweet of you. And all I can say is, I wish you could, too. Curly, I gotta get down to rehearsal now, but you better not go. I'll drive you home Don't first. bother. I'll walk down. I'm capable of walking home. Hope you make it. <laughs> so long, Curly. Gee, so young, too. <laughs> My pal Frankie. I don't know what I'd do without him, but I'd sure like to try it. <laughs> well, I got a long walk. No, maybe I better not walk in my condition. I'm sicker than I know. Now I've even got a quiver in my liver. And my head's starting to ache. There comes those cold hands again. Maybe I better ride home. Hey, ambulance! I mean, taxi! Hello, Mr. Harris. I heard you calling that taxi. I'm going past your house. You want a lift to my delivery truck? Oh, hello, Julius. Yeah, I'd love a lift. Okay, jump in. Jump in in my condition? Just open that door, kid, and let me crawl in there. Beautiful day, hey, Mr. Harris? It's great to be alive, ain't it? I wouldn't know, Julius. Hey, I'm glad I met 
hurt you. I got good news. Look, kid, before you say anything, I want you to know that you're looking at a man who isn't long for this world. Now, wait till you hear my good news first. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm getting a $2 raise. That's life for you. He's going to get raised and I'm going to get lowered. <laughs> Say, what's the matter with you anyway, Mr. Harris? Look, Julius, I've just been to my doctor and according to him, I'm on my last legs. And gee, if anything happens to me, Alice wouldn't have a man around to take her in his arms and comfort her. I wouldn't say that, Mr. Harris. <laughs> oh, look, Julius. Oh, gee, it's got me worried to death. I wonder if she'd ever get married again. Nah. <laughs> No, she wouldn't Because I remember what she told me on our honeymoon Hey, where did you and Miss Faye go on your honeymoon? Niagara Falls, why? Just checking I wouldn't want to take her to the same place <laughs> If I could lift my arm I'd punch you right in the nose Look, Julius, drive faster, will you? I feel worse every minute I'm a little worried. Do you think maybe the doctor found something really wrong with Phil? Oh, nonsense, Alice. I'm positive there's nothing wrong with Philip. At least physically. Oh. <laughs> I guess it's silly of me to worry. I know there's nothing wrong with Phil. It's probably all in my imagination. It's just one of those things. Just one of those crazy things One of those bells that now and then rings Just one of those things It was just one of those nights Just one of those fabulous lights A trip to the moon on Gossamer Wing Just one of those things If we thought of it of the end of it when we started painting the town We'd have been aware that our love affair was too hot not to cool down So goodbye, goodbye and amen He is hoping we meet now and then It was great fun, but it was just one of those things was just one of those things. Mommy, did the dog doctor call about Lieutenant Donahue? No, no, honey, the veterinarian didn't call yet. He should any minute. You go out and play and I'll let you know when he does. Hmm? All right, Mommy. Do you think the dog will pull through, Alice? Well, he's very old. I don't think he has much chance. I'm afraid when the vet calls, he's going to have bad news. I guess I should have told Phil about the dog, but I didn't want to upset him any more than he is. Oh, am I 
man. I'm lucky I even made it home. Everything's beginning to hurt now. How can things happen so quickly? And how am I going to tell Alice? It's going to break her heart. I better sneak in the house and go upstairs until I think of some way to tell her. I hope Alice isn't around so I can... Oh, darn it, there's the phone. Now she'll come out here to answer it and... Well, I better hide in the dining room here till she's finished. Well, that's probably the doctor calling now, William. I'm anxious to find out how the poor old thing is. <laughs> hello. Oh, hello, doctor. I've been waiting for your call. Oh, why is the doctor calling her? Now it'll come as a shock and she'll get hysterical. He's that bad, doctor? You think he's going to die? Oh, what a shame. <laughs> He tells her I'm going to die, and all she can say is, Oh, dear, what a shame. <laughs> You'd think a guy's wife would show more enthusiasm. Yes. yes, that's true, Doctor. He is getting pretty old, and he has outlived his usefulness. <laughs> pretty old. She ain't exactly no Margaret O'Brien herself. <laughs> well, the children will miss him, but I can always replace him. I've seen several in Beverly Hills that appeal to me. Several, yet one ain't enough. Well, thank you, doctor, for all your trouble. As soon as I get another one, I'll bring him in for shots. <laughs> Bye. William, the doctor said there's no hope for him. You know, the house will seem sort of empty without him. Oh, nonsense. He was never around anyway. He was always chasing all over town. <laughs> Why, I, I don't even think he appreciated the horse meat you cooked for him. <laughs> horse meat? I thought she was just a bad cook. <laughs> well, just the same, I'm going to miss him. Well, frankly, I fail to understand how you ever tolerated him around the house. He was always lying around scratching himself with his hind leg. <laughs> I suppose he thinks that's easy You know, William I've sort of become attached to him I'll never forget the way he used to look up at me With that silly face and lick my hand Gee whiz, ain't nothing sacred to her can't believe it. Here I am about to die, and my wife doesn't even shed a tear. Just a pretty thing like me, wilting in the flower of you. <laughs> to think that Alice doesn't even care, it's just, I don't know what she's going to well, do with it. Who's that sobbing in there? What? Why, Phil, it's you. Figure it, thing. Phil, what's wrong? What did the doctor say? Oh, as if you didn't know, you Jezebel, you. <laughs> I heard you talking to the doctor, and he said my days are numbered, and, 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 and you didn't even care. You heard... Oh, oh, Phil, that was the veterinarian I was talking to. The dog is sick. The dog? Oh, don't tell me we're both going together. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's all I need with everything else that's wrong with me. What do you mean? What's wrong with you, Phil? Yes, yes. What did the doctor say you had, Philip? Oh, I'm, I'm awful sick, William. I, I've got rhinotosis. I've got... 
Well, wait a minute. Here's the whole list. Yes, let me see. <laughs> Alice, Alice, this is priceless. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, oh, Philip, there's nothing wrong with you. All you have is dorsum rotundum, which means you're round-shouldered. Rhinogenous cephalalgia is a headache, and pityriasis capitis <laughs> means dandruff. Now, how do you like it? <laughs> How do you like that? I thought I was dying and all I got is round shoulders, headache with dandruff. How can I have dandruff? I use Fitch. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's the idea of the doctor throwing a scare like that into oh, me? Oh, Phil, I'm sorry, but oh. it's my fault. I told the doctor to scare you a little so you'd take it easy. But, honey, you shouldn't have to order done that. Well, maybe I shouldn't have to order, but I've done it. <laughs> you to stop working so hard so you can spend more time at home with me. You like to be with me, don't you? Hmm? You know I do. Sure I do. Come here, baby. I want to take you in my arms and just... Philip, I hope this has taught you a lesson. Oh, I got to set a trap for you, kid. <laughs> Get out of here, will you, Willie? We're busy. All now, right. go on. All right, Philip, I hope, but I hope this scare, scare made you realize the importance of moderation... Or, as a Chinese philosopher once said, he who water rice field too much wind up with just muddy field and no rice. Thank you, Madam Chung Kai Shek, and get lost. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. America's number one hair problem is dandruff. Yes, according to a recent survey made by Cosmopolitan magazine, 61.5% of those interviewed said their number one hair problem is dandruff. But you can be free of this problem by using Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo regularly each week. When you see how completely Fitch Shampoo removes dandruff with the first application, you'll be sure neither unsightly nor unseen dandruff is spoiling your personal appearance. Yes, be free of all traces of dandruff with Fitch Shampoo. For Fitch is the one and only shampoo made whose guarantee to remove dandruff with the first application is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. It's easy to use, and it leaves your scalp tingling with that grand clean feeling. Buy an economical bottle at drug or toilet goods counters or have professional applications of Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo at beauty or barber shops. Fitch is... This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1937-1938 season of The Jack Benny Show. Tonight's episode, the skit on the episode is Lost Horizon, which was a 1937 film starring Ronald Coleman. Uh, Frank Capper was the director. Um, I've never seen it, but it sounds like a great film, so you might want to catch that. Uh, I will say this episode does not have the entire episode, and I haven't listened to it, so it could be missing the entire Lost Horizon skit for all I know, but I doubt it. So anyway, I just thought I would mention that that's the skit for the show. Uh, uh, being as it's talking about Lost Horizon, I thought we'd, and being as last week we didn't have an episode, we brought Fred Allen in to cover for us, I thought uh, I would talk a little bit about Lost episodes of the Jack Benny show. Now, uh, Jack has one of the most complete collections 
of episodes of any OTR show. Uh, he just, from everything from about 36 last season, uh, the 1936-37 season, Phil Harris's first season on, uh, boy, there's just not very much missing. There's a huge am amount of episodes available. Now before that, 35 uh, and earlier, uh, very sporadic episodes, but still more than a lot of shows of that vintage uh, have floating around. But what I find unique about Jack's show is, for some reason, whether it's luck or a fluke or Jack realizing to keep those episodes or something, I don't know what happened, but uh, most of the key episodes that introduce like a new character are there. I mean, I can only think, oh boy, maybe one or two, boy, maybe just one, <laughs> uh, that aren't there. Uh, we have Jack's very first episode ever exists. Uh, the one that's missing would be Mary's very first appearance. Unfortunately, is not available in circulation. Hopefully someday somebody will find that episode. I would love to hear that. Uh, as she first comes on as the girl from Plainfield. Uh, but it's not there. But uh, certainly Kenny Baker's first episode exists. Uh, Don Wilson's very first episode, very first appearance exists. Uh, well, Dennis Day's, uh, Phil Harris's, um, even uh, minor characters, I mean, uh, certainly Professor LeBlanc's first appearance is on, is available. Uh, the very first Christmas episode is available. The, um, the, the episode with the first episode with the Maxwell, the last episode with the Maxwell, um, just basically every key episode there is. Um, let's take, and a great example is Eddie Anderson. Eddie Anderson's very first appearance is available. Eddie Anderson's very first appearance as Rochester is available. And we played that for you last season. Now, one of the missing episodes is last week's episode, Rochester's second appearance. Uh, they took five months to bring him back for some reason. And that episode, unfortunately, is missing the time. Hopefully, someday we find that. Uh, and, and it's interesting to see now, Rochester's not on this episode. Uh, he... He won't be won't be fully back for another number of weeks, but we'll certainly talk about Rochester when he comes back. But I just think we're really lucky to have as many key episodes as we do. Certainly, we have Schlepperman's very first episode. I think Sam Hearn's first episode appearance we have where he wasn't Schlepperman yet, but uh, I, I believe that exists too. So, man, there's just, there's just about everything available. Uh, like I say, except for Mary's first appearance. Uh, so, so I just think with how sporadic the episodes are and that we happen to have all those, it's just a real treat. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy tonight's episode of The Jack Benny Show, and we will talk some more next time. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens a program with Swing is Here to Sway from Alibaba Goes to Town.
make quite a point of asking you to insist on Jell-O by name when you buy. And here's a postal card from one of our listeners that I think will show you why we do that. It's from Mrs. H.E. Cheerer of Lovington, Illinois. Here's what she says. Having recently tried another brand that was guaranteed to be as good as Jell-O and found it a complete failure as to taste and quality, I really want you to know I consider Jell-O and only Jell-O. Well, Mrs. Cheerer is right. There is only one Jell-O. And if you hear some other gelatin dessert called Jell-O, you know that is incorrect. For the name Jell-O is a trademark, the property of General Foods, and that name tells you that you're getting the real thing. The one and only genuine Jell-O with the delicious extra-rich fruit flavor. So if you want Jell-O's rich fruit goodness and tempting beauty, don't accept any substitutes. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who owns a watch, comma, a violin, comma, and an automobile, question mark, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, uh, when you said automobile, question mark, I presume... You were alluding to my Maxwell, were you not? <laughs> yes, Jack, I'm afraid I was. Well, Don, you can have your little fun. It's all right. Maxie and I can take it. <laughs> I, have, I love every rattle in this dear little chassis. <laughs> well, did you drive it down tonight, Jack? Yes, Don, I drove right to the studio and everything was fine. Mary was with me and I had no trouble at all. Did I, Mary? Not with me, you didn't. <laughs> I'm talking about the car. What about that flat tire you had? Flat tire? say, you could hardly feel it. <laughs> Believe me. Anyway, my tires, my tires were awfully thin. Well, what happened? Jack ran over a marshmallow and got a puncture. <laughs> well, no wonder it was toasted. You forgot to mention that. Why didn't you change the tire, Jack? Because I haven't any tools, Phil, that's why. You haven't got any tools? No. I gave them to my sister for a charm bracelet. Oh, <laughs> Well, that's a novel gift. How does she like it? Oh, fine, but she can't get her arm off the floor. <laughs> Jack, are you still keeping up the payments on that car? What's that, Don? The I audience think... is laughing. I didn't quite get it. <laughs> Might as well wait for a laugh, you know, kid. Well, what I said, Jack, is are you still keeping up the payments on that car? Well, I, uh... uh tell him what happened yesterday, Jack. Oh, it was nothing. Well, what was it, Mary? Well, we were riding down Wilshire Boulevard, and Jack nearly fainted. Why? The car broke down right in front of the finance company. <laughs> well, I was going there anyway. Then why did you get out and run? Because. That's why. Gosh, I don't know what's the matter with you fellas. You're always picking on Jack. Thanks, Kenny. You think he was the only deadbeat in the world? <laughs> That's telling them. You said it. Oh, quiet. Got more important things to do tonight than to discuss me. You said it. So now, ladies and gentlemen, as we announced last week, we're... Come in. Hiya, Buck. Oh, hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. 
Well, glad to see, Andy. You haven't been around for a couple of weeks. Well, Buck, we've been pretty busy getting ready for the holiday. Oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> Thursday is Thanksgiving. I almost forgot. Well, Ma didn't. Here, Buck, here's a turkey she sent over for you. A turkey? Gee, I was wondering what you had in that basket. Let me look. Oh, it's a live one. Thanks, Andy. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's a tough-looking bird. How will I kill it? Well, don't use an axe. We tried it four times. <laughs> oh, yes, I see those notches on its neck. <laughs> but no kidding, Andy. Is a turkey really that tough? Tough. It chased her bull clear out of the barn. <laughs> a fine present to give me. If I can't eat it, what am I going to do with it? It'll make you a darn good watchdog. Say, there's an idea. Yeah, tie it to your car. You won't have to lock it. <laughs> you know, Andy, this gang has been ribbing me about that Maxwell of mine, but it doesn't faze me. No. Say, that reminds me, Buck. Every time you talk about that car of yours, Pa slams off the radio. He does? What's your Pa got against a Maxwell? He courted Ma in one. Oh, I'm sorry, Andy. I didn't mean to revive any unpleasant memories. Anyway, I'm glad you got here early because tonight... We're going to do a big play, and we've got to get started on it right away. Are we all set, fellas? All right, boys, let's settle down. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we announced last week, for our feature attraction tonight, we are going to present our version of Columbia Pictures' phenomenal success, that Frank Capra production, Lost Horizon. Now, um... <laughs> Now, in our version of Lost Horizon... <laughs> all right, boy, that's enough. In our version, we will all portray our own characters. That is, I will be Jack Benny, Mary will be Mary, and Don will be Jello. Won't you, Don? Huh? Yes, and I'll be cute enough to eat. Yeah. Mary, pour some whipped cream over Don and put him in a dish. What'll I use, the Rose Bowl? <laughs> That's a good idea. Hey, Buck, am I in this? Of course, Andy. What uh, what character would you like to play? Well, I'd like to wrestle with Ronald Coleman's part. Oh, you would? <laughs> I'd like to wrestle with Coleman. <laughs> Quiet. And now, folks, in our play, Lost Horizon... <laughs> now, cut it out now, will you? Put that thing down. Okay. <laughs> Darn that sound, man. Now, let's get on with our play. Uh, by the way, Jack, what does Lost Horizon mean? Well, Mary, it's, uh... Well, it's a sort of a... Oh, Don, do you know what Lost Horizon means? To whom? To whom? <laughs> to you. That's to whom. <laughs> to whom. Well, I don't know. Don't ask me. Well, I want to find out. I'm going to ask Kenny. Kenny? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, nothing, Kenny. Go ahead, ask him, Mary. You'll make him feel good. All right. Say, Kenny, what does Lost Horizon mean? Well, uh, Lost Horizon is symbolic of the utopia that we mortals are forever seeking in our eternal quest for happiness. Why, Kenny! <laughs> what was that? Kenny fainted! Quick! Get a glass of water! Kenny, Kenny, play, Phil! Kenny! Kenny!
jokes, yellow, six delicious Wilsons. Be quiet, Jack. Take it easy. C-A-E-L-L-O. This is the Benny program starring Jack Jello with Mary Strawberry. <laughs> this is the last number of Artisan Bottle. Fuck Maxwell rides again. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Benny. Mr. Benny. Yeah? <laughs> what is it? I am here to grant your wish and ease your troubled mind, to take you away to a place where there is nothing but happiness. I will give you peace and relaxation. Who are you? My name is Chang. Chang! I am here to help you, my son. Gee, Mr. Chang, didn't I see you in a picture last night called Lost Horizon? Yes. By the way, how did you like me in it? I thought you were swell. How did you like me in Artisan Models? I am here to help you, my son. <laughs> oh, come with me. We will journey to the land of eternal youth and everlasting bliss. Gee. To that earthly paradise where all is serene. Gosh. To that garden spot of the universe. If you're a real estate man, I'll scream. <laughs> Fear not, my son. Fear not. I am taking you to Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Come with me. Wait. Shall we go on my Maxwell? Your Maxwell? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chang, what happened? Where are we? We are in Shangri-La, my son. Gaze upon its majestic beauty. Behold its shimmering splendor. Feast your eyes upon its peaceful tranquility. <laughs> oh, this is so beautiful. So wonderful. Ain't it the nuts? <laughs> Oh, how romantic this place is. How charming. How utterly ut. You ain't seen nothing yet. Gee, I can't get over it, Mr. Chang. Everybody looks so youthful. Eternal youth. That is the secret of Shangri-La. Oh, look. Look at that beautiful young girl coming towards you. That is my wife. She's 385 years old. 385. My, what a nice figure. And such broad shoulders. Yes, she just had her hips lifted. <laughs> Oh, I see. Come here, my dear. I want you to meet Mr. Benny. Hello, Junior. Hello, Mrs. Chang. Gee, I can't believe that you're 385. My husband is 390. And this is our son, Clambake. Clambake? What a name. He doesn't like it either. Oh. Say hello to Mr. Benny. Hello. I'm 312. Stripped or with your clothes on? <laughs> You know, Mr. Chang, I think I'm going to like it here. Everyone likes it here, my boy. Or in Shangri-La, every wish comes true. Isn't that amazing? Say, who's that man standing over there with those five boys? Eddie Cantor. Ah, Shangri-La! <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I seeing things? Can that be Andy Devine coming towards us? Yes, that's him. Hello, Andy. Hi, Buck. Why, Andy, 
That doesn't sound like you. Well, I'll tell you, Buck. Every time I come to Shangri-La, my throat clears up and my voice is as clear as a bell. Well, that's the most unbelievable thing yet. <laughs> Say, Buck, remember when I used to sound like this? Hiya, Buck! <laughs> Yes, I do. But I'm all right now. So am I! <laughs> Get together, boys. Tell me, Mr. Chang, what miracle causes such a change? It is no miracle, my son. You see this fountain here? Yay, yay. Anyone who... <laughs> Anyone who drinks of its waters immediately acquires a voice of silvery tone. You mean if I drank a glass of water from this fountain, my voice would improve? Yes. And I could sing? Even better than Kenny Baker. As good will be enough. Then just take half a glass. Here. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gee, this tastes good. Me, 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 me. I feel it working. Listen, Mr. Chang. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Congratulations, my boy. It was splendid. Oh, Mr. Chang, these compliments. I really don't deserve them. I'll say you don't. <laughs> Why, Kenny, what are you doing in Shangri-La? Is that where I am? Yes, Kenny, in Shangri-La, where every wish comes true. Oh, boy, I wish I had a ham sandwich. A ham sandwich? Is that all you can wish for? All right, put mustard on it. <laughs> hmm. One ham coming up. Smear it! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Hiya, Jack, old boy. How do you like it here? Phil! Gee, it's good to see you. Mr. Chang, you know Phil Harris, don't you? Uh, sure. He comes down here every weekend. Hmm. Never told me. Are you having a good time, Phil? Am I? You know, Jack, I was out to lunch with the cutest little girl. What a honey. Cute, huh, Phil? How did you happen to meet her? She went to school with my grandmother. <laughs> No kidding. Has she got a friend? Yeah, but I got rid of him. <laughs> oh. So long, Jack. Goodbye. Come, my boy. It is growing late, and I have promised to present you to the High Lama. He is 900 years old. 900 years old? Isn't he awfully wrinkled? No, we have him pressed once a week. <laughs> well, I'd love to meet him. Say, is that him standing over there addressing that crowd? No, that is one of our famous orators who sways the multitude with his every word. Shall we eavesdrop? Let's. And so, my friends, again I say to you, Jell-O is the finest, the most economical of all gelatin desserts. Is there anything more tempting than six delicious flavors? Hey, hey. Is there anything more appetizing than strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime? Hey, hey. Thank you, Shangrilalians. <laughs> See, there's one fellow who hasn't changed. Silence! Before us is the palace of the High Lama. Oh, what a magnificent building. It's even more beautiful than Grauman's Chinese. <laughs> Grauman's Chinese? Why, it's more beautiful than the Taj Mahal by moonlight. Oh, let me look again. Gazooks, you're right. <laughs> Quiet! The High Lama approaches to greet us. Be prepared. 900 years old. He must be all dried up. Yes, don't light any matches around it. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm nervous. He will not harm you, my son. Behold, the High Lama!
Your Excellency, I beg to present Jack Benny, Your Excellency. Hello, Steinzer. <laughs> Why, Schlefferman? Quiet, quiet. I'm a llama now. A llama? Yeah, and I thought I was joining the elk. <laughs> you know, Schlepp, gee, it's hard to believe it. Are you really 900 years old? You said it. I've been in the march of time so long I got bunions. <laughs> well, tell me. Tell me, Schlepp. How are you doing here? Oh, Jackie boy, am I making money? But everybody here lives to be 300 years old, 400, 500. There's no limit. I tell you, Jack, I'm cleaning up. Well, what do you do? I sell birthday candles. <laughs> birthday candles? You must be making a fortune. Say, is your wife here with you? Yeah, she sells matches. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're so successful. Tell me, Slap, who's the head man around here, you or your wife? Well, I wear the pants, but somebody has to help me out with them, you know. <laughs> A thousand pardons, Your Excellency. <laughs> I must leave you now, Mr. Benny. Oh, will I see you again, Mr. Chang? No. I go as mysteriously as I came. Like a shadow in the forest. Like the wind in the night. That didn't sound like wind, but it got a laugh, anyway. Shangri-la-la, Shangri-la-la, Shangri-la-la. Ah, here Shangri comes my daughter. I want you to meet her. Hello, my little orange blossom. Hello, plume face. <laughs> this is my daughter, Mary Lama. Go ahead. Shake hello with Mr. Benny. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, Mary Lama. See, you look just like a Mary I know back home. How old are you? 116 and never been kissed. A hundred and sixteen, so young. Yes, and already she wants to get married. <laughs> well, kiddies, I have to toddle along now. It's time for my dancing lesson. Dancing lesson? Yes, I'm learning the Susie cue. <laughs> I've been here so long, I got that well feeling. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> well, Miss Lammer, your father's pretty active for a man his age. Go on, every time he sneezes, we have to pick him up. Shoot! There he goes again. <laughs> You know, Mary, you don't mind if I call you that, do you? No. Let me show you around the palace grounds. You love the flowers and gardens and waterfalls. Follow me. Gee, I've often imagined a place as beautiful as this. Gosh, it's like a fairy tale. Look at those gladiolas blooming in the sunlight. And these snapdragons. Aren't they lovely? And look at these tiger lilies. I think I'll pluck one. Ow! <laughs> They ought to be muzzled. Say, who's your gardener anyway? Frank Buck. Oh. And right here is where I spend many happy hours. Let us tarry a while by this waterfall. Waterfall? <laughs> Rather small, isn't it? Well, it ain't Niagara, but it's wet. Oh. Why don't you take a dip in this lovely pool? What, with my clothes on? They can stand it, too. All right, I think I will. Look out now. I'm going to jump in. Here goes. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to... Whee! Gee, this water is so cool and invigorating. It's deep, too. Deep? Oh, I forgot. I can't swim. 
I'm sinking. I'm sinking. Mary. Mary, save me. I'm drowning. Help. 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 Jack. Jack, wake up. What's the matter with you? Help. Mary, where am I? Wake up, Jack. You're in my apartment. Oh, Mary, I just had the most wonderful dream. And all of a sudden, I thought I was drowning. You're telling me, get your head out of the goldfish bowl. <laughs> oh, yes. Play, Phil. Give me a towel, Mary. Here's one more thing to be thankful for this year. Something new and delicious to eat. It's a new kind of salad. Cranberry and orange salad. Lovely to look at, mighty good to taste, and so easy to make. Here's all you have to do. Dissolve one package of orange jello in one and three-fourths cups of hot water. Chill until slightly thickened, then fold in one chopped orange, two cups of chopped raw cranberries, and three tablespoons of sugar. Unmold on lettuce, serve with real mayonnaise, and you have a grand Thanksgiving salad. A shimmering mold of orange jello, bright with colors of real oranges and fresh cranberries. And what a flavor blend. Crisp and tangy to suit the season. Really a swell combination. Be sure to make this new salad and be specially sure to make it with genuine Jell-O. For Jell-O brings you that delicious extra rich fruit flavor that can't be topped. Ask your grocer for Jell-O. That was the lost number of the Lost Horizon in the new Jell-O series. And we're with you again next week at the same time. I hope you all enjoyed our play tonight. And, Say, Buck, uh, yeah. I don't think much of that Shangri-La idea. Why, Andy, wouldn't you like to have your voice clear and beautiful all the time? Gosh, no, I wouldn't be able to get any work. <laughs> I never thought of that, but as far as I'm concerned, I wish there really was a place like Shangri-La where you could lay around and relax. Don't you, Mary? I'll take Palm Springs. Oh, that's right. It's much closer. Yeah, good night, folks. Good night. <laughs> We are deeply indebted to James Hilton, author of Lost Horizon, for allowing us to present our satire of his great masterpiece. Kenny Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>